Today, it's my privilege to be able to um, just invite a couple uh, to come and share the word of the Lord with us. Um, ben and Jen have been a part of my life, oh boy, for at least 20 plus years, Ben, well, almost 30 years. Both worked in our, our youth uh, area together and, and grew up as leaders and then have gone and have done some other things, which I can't give all the details out at this moment because of this uh, being an online streaming uh, thing and we're trying to watch over what's happening here. But it's my privilege to be able to invite uh, Ben and to come up here and to share the word of God and for you to get to know him and his heart a lot more. So let's welcome him. Thank you so much, Pastor Todd. It's always a tap dance to know what you can say and not say because of the stream. <laughs> I don't envy you. Thank you so much for having me here today. It's such a privilege to be able to stand up and speak in front of you today. I'm so excited to be here. As Pastor Todd said, I, you may not recognize me, some of you. I see some familiar faces, but I also see many that I don't know. But this, I'm a son of this house. Uh, I started going here back in 1992, one year after they moved into this building, and uh, I grew up here. I played hockey in this gym. I um, <laughs> did some after-hours things with the youth sometimes. Some were planned and some were from my imagination. And God has been so faithful to bring me here today. Uh, born and raised here in Calgary, love this city, love the flames. Trying to get some credibility there. I uh, grew up hating being dressed up as a cowboy to go to Stampede and Stampede breakfasts. But I also met my wife in this wonderful city. And we both were born and raised here and met and got married and then God sent us to the nations. But I love this church. You've never been far from my heart, no matter how far I've been from you physically. And I've been praying for all of you and thinking about you for many, many years, even from far in the place where I live. Let the reader understand. <laughs> and so I believe that God has given me something to speak to you today. And my heart is that Jesus would be exalted. I don't want you to really see me. I want you to see Jesus. I want you to hear his voice speaking into your heart. That as we look at the word, that you would see the living word, Jesus, and that you would meet him. I know that we all came here today hoping that we would be changed. Hoping that we wouldn't leave here the same as we were before. We all want to be changed. I, for one, want to be changed, but I also really love my comfort zone. And sometimes change is a bit uncomfortable. And I believe that as the Holy Spirit speaks to you to bring you into change today, today, it might be uncomfortable at some points. He's always loving. He's always full of grace. But he also knows how to touch the parts of our heart that we thought nobody knew about. And so I encourage you that if any time during the message this morning you start to feel a stirring or even something uncomfortable, Everything in this sermon today is an invitation into a conversation with God. If something's happening in you, 
I encourage you, take it to the Lord. Ask him what he wants to say to you about it. I guarantee you that it's good, even if it doesn't always feel that way at first. Our scripture today is in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You'll excuse me when I preach, my lips stick to my teeth. It says, We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. This is a letter that Paul, the Apostle Paul, wrote to the Corinthian church. And earlier in this chapter, he describes what he's talking about when he says this light that's shining in our hearts. And as I look at this verse, I'm struck by the incredible contrast in this verse. It talks about this light and this treasure. And then it also talks about these plain, fragile jars of clay, earthen vessels. We've got the beauty and the power of this treasure, and then also these jars of clay that God has chosen to put it in. What is the light that it's talking about here? What is the treasure? Paul makes it very clear in chapter 4 that this is the light of the gospel that shines. That before we knew Jesus, it's like we had a veil over our eyes and we couldn't see. But when the veil is removed, we see the light of Jesus. And when his light shines into our lives, that becomes our treasure. And then we're called to express that light. When that light interacts with us, when Jesus interacts with us and changes us, he becomes part of our experience. We have a relationship with him. And that treasure begins to be expressed through our gifts, through our unique personality. This is the treasure that we're called to share. But we also are earthen vessels. We have fragility. And quite often, unfortunately, the fragility of our earthen vessels can keep us from sharing the light and the treasure that God has put inside of us. It says here that the purpose of the earthen vessel is that we would receive power from God, that we would lean into God and receive his power, and that that would cause us to shine forth with that treasure. But sometimes it's easier to wrap that earthen vessel in bubble wrap and make sure it stays safe. We know that there's a fragility in the world today. I know that there are people here that you're walking through difficult times. Never before have we been so confronted with so many things that are outside our control, from COVID, and I'm not going to talk about COVID, COVID to inflation rising to housing prices skyrocketing and housing shortages, and even the things that come up, fragile things, terminal illnesses, unanswered prayers. We know there is a fragility to our world. It's so tempting to build up the walls of our inner castle and put a strong moat with some good alligators and some water snakes and maybe a dragon or two to protect our hearts. But the Bible says that we have a treasure. And no one will see the treasure if all we do is protect our earthen vessel. No one will see the treasure if all we do is stay in our comfort zone, trying to keep ourselves safe. 
But there's a power that comes from God that allows us to step forward even in fragility, even in trials, to share our treasure. So much of my life has been about hitting walls of limitation and then backing back up into my comfort zone. Doing the safe thing. Somebody told me once that they saw a picture of me and my wife crossing a river and she was in the middle of the river crossing and I was standing on the bank saying, do we really need to cross that river? Seems kind of wet and cold. We could probably accomplish what we need to from this side. But what if the comfort that we need, and we do need comfort, what if that comfort isn't meant to come from our comfort zone, but is meant to come from the comforter, the Holy Spirit, that as we step out, see, the enemy just wants to keep you on this side of the river. And if you never step out, you'll never know what could have happened. But the comforter has come to give us the comfort we need so that we can, even with our fragile earthen vessel, step forward and share our treasure. As an overseas worker, starts with an M, I can't say it. When we go to speak at churches, when we go to speak to people, we often want to talk about our treasure. And by that, I mean all the good things, all the glorious things that God has done, all the great stories. We want people to see how God is moving in the nations. And I love to talk about that. But today, I also want to talk to you about the earthen vessel. I've had the privilege of some amazing things happening in my life in the last few years. I've sat on the ground in Mozambique with tribal leaders from the other major world religion who have turned to Jesus. I've had the privilege to lead them into intimacy with God for the very first time. I've had the opportunity in India to do inner healing prayer one-on-one -on -one with my wife, two-on-one, I guess, over a pastor who's planted thousands of churches and has been struggling with certain things in his life that have kept him from hearing God's voice and see him get set free. He's already planted thousands of churches, but somehow he got to a point where he was struggling to hear God's voice. I've been in Thailand and seen people that we took out of a war-ravaged place go through critical incident stress debrief in order to reduce their trauma and to bring healing so that they aren't hindered in their ministry and so they're not hindered in life by the war that they've been going through. But before each one of these things, there was a jar of clay moment. Before Mozambique, I wasn't even sure if I should accept the invitation to go on the trip. I was at one of the lowest places in my life. I was suffering compassion fatigue. I was so empty and then I heard the invitation to go. And God said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And I said, well, I love the strength part. <laughs> I don't want to be weak. He said, go. And he met me. And that happened. Before India, the night before that prayer time, my wife and I were sleeping in a bed that's harder than the floor with no fan and sweltering heat, having eaten a meal at, a, at midnight because they wanted to show us hospitality when we arrived after a delayed flight. No sleep, hardly at all. But God showed up when I stepped out. In Thailand, 
in my hotel before giving this critical incident debrief, the first one that I had done after so much training, face to the floor, literally in the hotel room, saying, God, how can we help these people? Help what we have to offer, make a difference for them. They need it so badly. Show us what to do. And God showed up. We all encounter times where we feel stretched beyond our capacity, where we feel so stressed that we don't know how to calm ourselves, where we don't know what to do or say when we're encountered with a situation with somebody who needs to hear about Jesus. We all experience that. So how do we learn to receive God's presence in such a way that we can step forward with our treasure instead of being limited by our earthen vessel? For me, it started way before anything that I was doing overseas. Sorry, choosing different words. It started when I was working a job that I didn't want to work in the same place where I live, but I needed to work a job for, for, for funds and also for our visa. And I didn't want to do it, but God opened the door, even though I said, please close it. He opened it. And I was in that job for four years, and every day, to survive in that job. Every morning before I would start, I'd have to pray, Holy Spirit, I need you. I can't get through today without you. I need you. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me now. Sometimes all I had was 30 seconds, 60 seconds. But he faithfully met me every time. And what I didn't realize was what was being formed in me during that time was an increased capacity for the presence of God in my heart. So that when I needed to do what I do now, I would be able to pray and God's presence would come. And I encourage you, if you feel like you're stuck in a place that you don't want to be, if you're in a job that you don't love, if you're in a situation that is hard, that the Lord, for those who are called according to his purpose, those who love him, those who keep their hearts soft towards him, that if you reach out to him, he will meet you and he will form you during those times to be the one that he can use in situations in the future. That he can take even the worst things and he can redeem them and he can use them to produce gold out of your life. But not if all we do is protect our earthen vessel. He wants to increase our capacity for him. Because when our capacity for his presence, for his Holy Spirit increases, then our capacity to do everything else also increases. Let me say that again. When our capacity for God increases, so does our capacity to do and handle everything else. I know that suffering can really make you look inward and self-protected. And I don't say that lightly. I know what it is to walk through suffering. And my suffering is different than your suffering. It's not a competition. But it's real, I know it's real. I have unanswered prayers in my life that still cause aches in my heart. And I've purposed to keep my heart soft, to not grow bitter,
This isn't something that I was intending to say, but I think maybe somebody needs to hear this. God's goodness never changes. And even during the times where you can't feel it, even in the times where your heart is breaking, he's still good. And if you ask him to show you his goodness, even in those times, you'll see how he's holding you, see how he's walking with you. Those times make us want to circle the wagons and be safe. And I saw during the rest of our trip here, we've been here for almost 10 weeks now, and I've seen so many Christians who are struggling with different things. I know the economy is rough. I know people are struggling to make ends meet. I know people are worried about their mortgage going up. I see marriages that are struggling. I see parents who are struggling to know what to do with their kids, kids who are are doing things that they're breaking their hearts. And all of those things make us want to just shut off our phone, go back to our house at the end of the day and close all the doors and windows and never talk to anybody. But actually, the people who do that, that I've seen do that, they dry up, they shrivel, and something begins to die in them spiritually. Because in the midst of suffering, sometimes, and it's so counterintuitive, but sometimes the thing we need the most is to reach out and serve somebody else. Sometimes we need to give even in the midst of financial difficulty. And I'm not saying that without any experience of it. I've lived on support and by faith for most of my adult life. And the times when our finances dry up are the times that my wife and I say, who are we supposed to give to? Because finances flow and God doesn't have any lack. But when we begin to grasp and hold on to them, that's when they begin to dry up. But when we are generous, when we move in the opposite spirit, things flow. When you don't try to control it, and honestly, you aren't in control of it anyway. Little side note. It just seems like it until something goes wrong. But when we give freely of ourselves, our time, our money, then we walk in freedom. You know, The main reason that Jesus came to save you is not so that you could build a happy life. That's a tough one. So it's gonna, I'm saying all the things that he wants to say, but he can't say, or doesn't, he can say them, but I'm saying them for him. Jesus saved us because he loves us. He loved us when we were stinky and sinful, says in Romans 5.8, that's the Ben International Version. But the purpose that he saved us for was to be fruitful. When God pours into, as we heard in the word today, God pours into us, it's always unto something. His into is always unto. It's not meant to stay here and just be here. When God spoke to Abraham, he said, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to materially bless you so that you can be a blessing to all nations. It's never meant to stay with us. It's not a pond, it's a river, or a pipeline, if you will. In Ephesians 2.10, it says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. 
The reason that it brings so much life to us when we give, when we do good works, when we pour out, is because we're designed that way. We're created anew in Christ Jesus for good works. We're not saved by works. We're not loved because of our works. But we were created for works. We were saved for works. That when we pour out our masterpiece, the beautiful creation, painting, whatever, sculpture that you are, isn't just closed up in some rich person's vault that it never gets to be seen, but it's shared with the world. And it is a testimony that Jesus is alive. We are created for good works. But we, to do it, we have to pursue his presence and be changed and filled by him. And when we pursue his presence, then we begin to have his heart. And when we have his heart, it will always lead us to the nations. God is a missionary God. It says in the scripture that he is not willing that any would perish, but all would come to everlasting life. Even the very incarnation of Jesus shows us God's missionary heart, that God who is in heaven with privilege on the throne with everything perfect would choose to come into our fragility and put on human flesh in order to show us the gospel, to show us who the Father is and to lead us to freedom in Christ. God is a missionary God. And if our hearts are like his, then we also will have a heart for those who don't know him. Have you ever thought about what a privilege it is to live in Canada? I don't always think about it when I was younger. Or what a privilege it is to have a Canadian passport? That document. You may not realize, depending on how much you've traveled or talked to people from other cultures, but that is one of the most powerful documents amongst passports in the world. Canadians can go to so many places that many other people either really have a hard time or can't go at all. Why? Why were you given a passport? Why do you get to live in Canada? The Bible says that God chooses where we will live. He chooses where we will go and who we'll bump into. So why? Why were you given this incredible privilege? It's not an accident. And it comes with a responsibility. And Canada has a call to the nations. In Revelation 22.2, it talks about the river of life. And it talks about how the tree beside the river of life has leaves on it that are for the healing of the nations. And I never knew this from Canadians, but when I traveled, other people told me, Canada's call is wrapped up in that verse. We're the only country that has a leaf on its flag. And we are prophetically called to bring healing to the nations. Our privilege comes with responsibility. Do you know what is one of the least obeyed commandments in the Bible? I'll give you a hint. It's not, don't envy your neighbor's donkey. I think most of us are pretty good about that. One of the least obeyed commandments in the Bible is the Great Commission. Mark chapter 16. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Go where? Just to like the neighboring countries? 
just the ones that are like fairly inexpensive to go to or the ones where I could have a bit of a holiday on the side. Go into all the world and preach to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They will cast out demons in my name, and they will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety, and if they drink anything poison, it won't hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick, and they will be healed. Just a side note here. Who here would love to see miracles? Miracles and signs and wonders are just that. They're a sign and a wonder. They're meant more than anything for the lost. All through the Bible, almost all the miracles that are shown in the Bible are meant to show who God is to those who don't know him. To show those who don't know Jesus that there's freedom in his name. And if you want to see miracles, I encourage you, obey this commandment. Go. If you go, these signs will accompany you. And every week, I get texts, I get emails from people that we know in our organization, people we care for, telling me the most crazy stories out of Acts that are, like, not out of Acts, but, like, from Acts that are part of their everyday life. Because they're there, they're going to those people, they're obeying this commandment, and they're seeing the power of God. But this commandment, this great commission, and maybe if we could just leave it up on the, on the slide for a bit, it weighs on me. This is an unfulfilled promise. When I was young, this was sort of like the thing I didn't want to think about, the Great Commission. I'm a massive introvert. You may not know it, but I would much rather go read a book or hide in my room than go preach the gospel to anybody. But this is here, and there's so many people who aren't going to hear if we don't do something about it. And Jesus is worthy. Oh, I, I love the worship this morning. And it just made me think, Jesus, he's worthy to receive the reward of his suffering. The reward is the nations. He's worthy to receive it. And we all have a part that we need to play. In Romans 10, it has this beautiful verse, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But there's a problem. How can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. You may not know this, but there are so many people groups in the world that are unreached. And what we mean by that is, these are places where there's no church, there's hardly any Christians, and if somebody doesn't go, they will never hear about Jesus. And you might think, oh, they could search online. Many of them don't have the internet, but even those who do, that's not where they're going to be searching. Some of them are even having dreams and visions of a man in white that's coming to them, but they don't know who he is. 42%, 42% of the world's people groups are still unreached. 
That's more than three billion people who live in people groups that unless somebody goes to them, they will not hear the name of Jesus. And many missions organizations won't do it because it's the hardest place to go with persecution and trials and struggle. In Southeast Asia where we live, of those who don't know Jesus, 87% don't even have a friend who's a Christian or know a Christian. Somebody has to go. We are all called to wrestle with this commandment, the Great Commission. We're all called to ask the Lord, what is our part? We're all called to go. Maybe you're not called to go to the nations, but you're called to go to the people where God has placed you. If you're living in Canada, then the people that you interact with every day are people that God has called you to go to. And if you do feel like, oh, maybe I am called to the nations, although you're scaring me a little bit, it's not as hard as you think. The pathway to the nation starts right where you are right now. And my wife and I, God took us through a process. He had to train us. He had to work in us. He had to give us education. We had to go through trials. It took us time to get where we are today. But if you think God might be calling you to go to the nations, please talk to me. We have lots of different ways that you can go, short-term, medium-term, long-term. Um, you also might think, I'm not an apostle, I'm not the guy who's gonna get dropped in the jungle and go to all the villages and set them all free, and I, I don't like to do that. But honestly, one of the biggest needs that we have in our organization is people who are gifted at administration who want to go to the nations. If you are gifted at administration, I could put you in five different countries within the next year. Because we do have a lot of these apostle types and you'll never guess what they're not great at. <laughs> Administration. We have lots of opportunities. We're all called to go. We're all called to pray. The scripture says, Jesus said, the fields are white unto harvest. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send workers. We're all called to join in prayer about the Great Commission. To ask the Lord of the harvest to send even if we're not called to go ourselves, we can support. And I tell you the truth, your prayers make a huge difference. When we're over there and we send out our Hail Mary prayer request to our prayer chain, we notice a difference almost immediately as people start to pray. Everyone's called to pray. And we're all called to give. Let me talk about money for a minute. Is my time up? Why do we need to give? Why does God want us to give to, to church, to the nations? Does he need our money? Why? I mean, I know obedience. That's good. It's good to be in touch with the why behind the obedience. Why does God want us to give? One of the reasons is when we give our money, we become invested in what we give to. And there's some of you today that God is speaking to you right now. He's stirring in you about his heart for the nations. He's wanting to give you a heart for the nations. But if you don't do anything about it from here, then next week or maybe a month down the line, you'll be like, oh, that Ben guy was here. It was pretty good. I don't totally remember what he said. But uh, he had nice shoes. But I guarantee you, if you give, then your heart will grow bigger 
and you will start to be linked to the nations. The Bible says that where our treasure is, there our heart will be also. Treasure is also time, of course, but treasure is money sometimes. For me, I'm not a very financially minded guy, and I, for my poor, my poor wife, she hasn't always had much for retirement because that's not what we focus on. We're just like, let's go. Money is just a way to go. Let's just do what we're doing. But we got to make some investments recently. And I never cared about investments very much, except that it caused me stress when my wife would bring it up. But once I invested, you can bet I started to notice what was happening in the market. Sometimes we need to give in order for God to tie our hearts to his for the nations. Frankly, God is our provider, not you. And Eastside has been so generous to us over the years. But God provides. I've, I've found money on the road that was the exact amount of my rent for the month when I needed it most. God wants you to give if he's calling you to give right now. I'm sorry, we're not taking an offering right this second. What I mean is, if God's calling you to give, it's because he wants to tie your heart to the nations. And for us, we take that very seriously. When people give, you're joining our team. We want to stay in touch with you. We want to share our stories, share our life. We want to connect you to what God's doing in a way that will draw your heart into the nations. So what is God calling you to do tomorrow about what I'm speaking about today? I love to ask this question. Let's get real. What is he telling you to do? Is it true that we are all called to fulfill the Great Commission? Is it true that it's not just a few people who are supposed to do it, but that we all carry the weight and the responsibility for those who don't know Jesus? If it is, what are we doing about it? What are you going to do about it? This could change the whole direction of your life, this question. And I can guarantee you that it will be for the better. I have never had to carry so much weight or responsibility or so much pressure, but I have never been happier or more joyful than I am in my life at this time because I'm about the heart of the Father. He cares about those who will not know him. He's not willing that any would perish. I'm participating with him in that. And I know that times are hard. I know that we have these fragile earthen vessels. But I also want to tell you, you have treasure inside of you. And the people around you need to know the treasure. And it's not supposed to just be like, okay, he said that, so I have to go do it. There is a power, the real living power of God that comes to meet you when you step out and you will be never the same. Never the same. So how are you being called to go? You might be being called to the nations to leave your vegetable garden and your rutabagas at home. Go to the nations. But you also might be being called to reach the people around you. In fact, I know you are. So let me give you just a couple really practical things you can do because I think it's so important that you come away not just with good ideas but with possible action steps that you could take. 
to make to be a doer of the word. Number one, and we're going to pray and listen in a moment, pray and ask the Lord to put on your heart people who he wants you to begin to pray for. Pray first. Pray first. Don't just go in dry without anything. Pray for them. Pray that God will prepare their hearts. Pray that he would give you an opportunity and an opening so you're not just like bumping into your neighbor and saying, hey, do you know Jesus? I mean, you can do that. But God will open up doors as you begin to pray for the people that he puts on your heart. And then be ready. One of the things that we talk about, and for me, I'm an introvert, so when I'm put in a sudden situation that I didn't expect to share the gospel, I'm like, Jesus good? Um, So prepare. In our church planning course, we teach 15-second testimonies. Have them ready so that whenever you're talking to people in conversation, what they bring up a need, you have a real testimony to share with them. You have a headache. I remember when I was younger, I had such a strong allergy to milk that it made me sick. And someone prayed for me, and I got healed. Can I pray for you for your headache? Whew, well, scary. You want a power, right? This is how it happens. You're feeling discouraged and sad. I often felt that way, too, because I grew up in a home where I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. But Jesus met me, and he's walked with me every day of my life. Can I pray for you that you would feel his love? Prepare in advance. Be ready. And sometimes just offering to pray for somebody, even without a testimony, you know, can I pray for you, you know, what you just said? 95% of people will say yes. And if you spent the time and you put yourself out there, God's going to flow through you into their lives. How are you called to pray? We're all called to go. How are we called to pray? Uh, If you feel God stirring in your heart to pray and you want to have more specific things to pray about, if you want to get really interesting updates about people all over the world who need you to pray right now, talk to my wife. She's our prayer coordinator for our whole organization, and we can connect you. There's daily, there's weekly, there's monthly. Anything that you want to be connected to prayer. How are you called to give? We are all called to give. I don't say this as somebody who doesn't give. My wife and I, we support missionaries ourselves. We support missionaries in our country, which I almost just said. We support uh, missions around the world. We're all called to give. And even though we might be struggling a bit financially, we're so much more wealthy than the majority of the world. We often can find a bit to give. If God is stirring you to give to be a part of our team, We really are looking for people who will join us. We can't do it alone. When we live off support, it's because we know God wants to tie your heart to the nations, and we have so much to do that we need to put all of our effort and our focus into what we do. And if God's calling you to give, uh, we can talk to you about that as well. We're going to take a minute here as the musicians play, and we're just going to listen for a moment to God. Just close your eyes. We said that today is an invitation into a conversation. And so as we listen, I want you to ask Jesus. You can speak it out loud. You can do it in your mind. Jesus, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? 
about your great commission. What do you want me to do today? Just listen. Maybe he's going to bring the face of somebody to your mind to begin to pray for them. Maybe he's nudging you in other directions. When we don't ask, we don't hear anything. Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy to receive the reward for your suffering in the nations. Make us a people who are after your heart, that love the things you love. Give us a heart for the nations, Lord. We offer ourselves to you today. It's a dangerous prayer, but Lord, we say, do with us what you want to do. You can bring life to these dry bones. You can trouble the water to bring healing but you don't want our fragile jars of clay to hold us back. You want to meet us in power so that we can share the treasure. There's some of you here today who you need to ask God, show me what my treasure is. I don't even feel like I have a treasure. And if you're here today and you've never met Jesus, He's real. He wants to know you. In a, he wants to pour his love into your heart and show you that he's real, that he can set you free. And all you have to do is just say, Jesus, I open my heart to you. Come, show me your real.